Welcome to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast, the world's first podcast about medical laser therapy for healthcare providers. Each week, we discuss the latest research, interviews with experts, and how laser therapy can enhance your practice. Now, here is the founder of LTI and your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree. Hello, and welcome back to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast. My name is Dr. Jason Roundtree. I'll be your host today. This is part two of a two-part podcast we're doing on a review for supportive cancer care with a 2017 publication in the Belgian Journal of Medical Oncology. Now, if you want a copy of this study, shoot me an email, info at lasertherapyinstitute.org. We'll get you a link to that. Also, if you want to just discuss how this situation can work with your cancer care center or if you're providing laser therapy and you want to implement laser care for cancer patients give me a shout let me know how we can help you out we'll make this happen so we're jumping into the middle here if you haven't heard part one go back to last week's episode listen to that then come back here and and, and join in on the rest okay the next condition they talk about is radiodermatitis which is that inflammatory skin reaction um and uh, it depends on the therapy, depends on the patient about how bad it can get. But it can lead to really significant disruption of daily life, uh, washing, getting dressed, hobbies, things like that. And sometimes those reactions become so severe that it does interrupt the scheduled radiotherapy treatments. So there's not much for guidelines on that right now the only real thing that uh, has been recommended is moisturizing creams and gels wound dressings but uh, really nothing more than that so this article goes ahead and says that laser therapy is an effective treatment for acute radiodermatitis in breast cancer patients and it can prevent the aggravation of acute radiodermatitis and can reduce the the impact that it has on the patient's quality of life. They recommend using it as a prophylactic, so daily, from the very first day of radiotherapy or in a therapeutic regime, which would be a minimum three times a week, right on the cutaneous surface that's being irradiated. Again, prophylactic. Don't wait for it to even show up. Go ahead, start it. From the first day that the patient starts getting radiotherapy. And then if it does develop or you're treating a patient that you weren't able to get to prior to starting radiotherapy and they are dealing with it now, you want a minimum of three times a week, right? And just directly over that affected area. The next one is the chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathy. Now, I've already done a podcast episode on chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathy. As a matter of fact, it was our very second episode. Let's go all the way back to episode two. That was December 23rd, 2019, and you can get the full rundown on exactly what that study showed for chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathy. But understand that chemotherapy drugs, in many cases, are toxic to nerves. So about 68% of patients undergoing chemotherapy will have some type of neuropathy symptoms when they are one month into treatment. And about 30% of those cases, I'm sorry, 30% of the patients receiving chemotherapy will end up with longer-term peripheral neuropathy. Lasers shown excellent results in reducing those symptoms. Fantastic results in reducing those symptoms. And, and realize, too, that that's talking about the sensory dysfunction, but you can also get muscle weakness or autonomic neuropathies. They can establish not just the pain and discomfort, the burning, the tingling that goes along with that. So 
in severe cases of this chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathy, it will actually change the cancer care plan. The doctors will have the option to change to a different medication or reducing the dosing. I've seen a few cases where they actually discontinue the chemotherapy because the symptoms are just so severe. And obviously, that's not the best thing for that patient, right? If you've got a chemotherapy care plan that's been established to try and combat the cancer, you want to keep the patient on that. So utilizing laser to reduce those symptoms is a great non-invasive way to keep the patient compliant with that care plan and more comfortable and functioning better. Again, if you want to if you want to get a little bit more into the details on that, go back to episode number 2 on our LTI podcast. You can hear a full rundown on just the really excellent results they got with a um, a blinded sham trial that had actual crossover too. Just excellent results. I won't go into it anymore though. If you want to know more about that, chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathy, like I said, episode from December 23rd, 2019. Go back to that one. Listen up. It's great. <laughs> the results. Not saying the podcast is great. Although I think it's all right. Okay. Next condition here. Jaw osteonecrosis. So this is going to happen in about 1 to somewhere around 12% of cancer patients that are dealing with bone metastasis or a multiple myeloma where they are treated with a bisphosphonate um, because that inhibits bone turnover by inducing the osteoclastic apoptosis so um, and also inhibiting the osteoblast-mediated osteoclastic activity. So you stop repairing bone and you can just get bone death in the jaw. In those cases, you can lose uh, part of the jaw if it's not caught quickly, especially. Um, and that really de- depends on the patient's disease stage, how good their oral hygiene has been, what type of therapies they've been on. You know, if you end up with exposed, deadened bone, then you end up going into that surgical removal, um, which is just one more thing the cancer patient has to deal with, right? So if that can be avoided, we absolutely want to. Now, laser therapy for jaw osteonecrosis was shown to be effective. Understand, though, the study that's been done that uh, showed the best effects was about 55% success rates in reducing the pain and healing the lesions. Now, that's actually pretty good because in many cases that you don't get any improvement with any kind of treatment. So a 55% success rate in reducing that pain and then healing up the bone lesion to be able to avoid surgery, that's a pretty great deal, especially when you're talking about laser therapy that doesn't have any side effects. Okay, so the article does go to say that you want to use laser therapy two to three times a week or even daily uh, in that 750 to 830 nanometer wavelength, so that near-infrared wavelength. Uh, You can do that intraoral or extraoral, so you can actually use the device inside the mouth or on the outside. Uh, I'll tell you in clinical practice, doing both is oftentimes the best way to go if the patient can tolerate it and if you've got the equipment that can do that. You do that on the affected area and you can have some good results. And again, you really don't have anything to lose. And if you can help that patient avoid things like loss of the bone, um, I mean, that's a fantastic service to be able to get that patient. They're already going through a lot, right? You start losing parts of, the, of, the, of your face or this edema problem that can happen or the 
burning and tingling that goes with neuropathy. These are just one more thing that goes along with cancer care just to make it that much more difficult. So if you can use laser to address these issues, obviously you're going to be doing a great service for those patients. Now I've got one more to go here. Last one is hyposalivation or xerostomia. All right, that is, so hyposalivation, you, you get reduced saliva production and then kind of that oral dryness where patients complain their mouth is just always dry, which is pretty much just a subjective complaint, but still really a problem. And if you do not have enough uh, saliva production, then you get an increased risk of oral infections. You can end up with tooth damage, uh, just oral discomfort, pain, uh, eating problems as well. So the way that many docs try to avoid this is by doing intensity modulated radiation therapy, according to the article, which, you know, should be able to spare some of that salivary gland tissue. Good oral hygiene, dental care is recommended, of course, before, during, and after treatment. But as far as treating it directly during uh, radiotherapy, there's, there's some evidence that it can work quite well to get laser onto the glands themselves to increase the production of saliva. They recommend starting on the very first day of radiation treatment and then continuing daily during radiation for the prevention of dryness as well as hyposalivation and targeting specifically the major and minor salivary glands. Now, I'll read you the conclusion here and then we'll talk a little bit about some additional issues. So, they conclude that a new that laser therapy is a new preventative and therapeutic option for a broad range of acute and chronic side effects associated with cancer therapy and it's already been accepted in the general treatment guidelines as well, which is Always nice to know, right, that it's well-proven enough that it's in the treatment guidelines. Obviously, more trials are going to be good, and they say in the future trials, we need, we need to pay more attention to identifying good parameters for each individual medical condition. And I think we see that in almost every study that's done. One of the recommendations is to say, look, we've got to really nail down some of the settings, some of the protocols and that need to be done, the parameters, how much power, how long do you treat, how often do you treat, where do you treat, all those factors are still kind of in development and hard to nail down when you're talking about study results. So that's going to be an important piece of this is to make sure that you have some idea what you're doing. Highly recommend our programs, of course. You know I was going to say that because we've got a lot of this already nailed down as far as what schedule treatment needs to, to happen on, what kind of equipment you need to use, what kind of settings you need to use, what to tell the patient about what to expect, things like that. If you're new to laser therapy, if you're an oncologist or you're involved in cancer patient care and you want to get into this, reach out to us. Let me know what you're doing. We'll make sure we build a program custom for you. If you're already doing laser therapy, you need to get with the local oncology group in your area and talk to them about what laser therapy can do. You can provide a, an extremely important supportive care option for their patients. And if you're not, you've got people in your community that are suffering. They're already dealing with cancer. Now they're also dealing with potentially oral mucositis, and ulcerations in the mouth. They're dealing with burning, tingling in the hands and the feet. Maybe they're even losing bone in the jaw or dealing with just ongoing lymphedema, you have a tool that can help. 
you need to get with your cancer docs locally and talk to them about what you can offer. All right? That's very important. And if you're in cancer care and you're seeing these patients, it's not fun to watch patients go through this and not have anything that you can really offer them. And to even see sometimes patients drop out of their care that they desperately need because of these side effects. So last point I'm going to make here, and it is the last line of this study also, they say more research is needed to evaluate any potential side effects of laser therapy that might influence tumor behavior and or proliferation. And that was the kind of research update that I gave you kind of in the middle of this whole thing was that we just don't have enough information yet on tumor proliferation rates and, and how laser affects that. Really, it's still up in the air. You have to be careful applying laser directly over a tumor site. That's the long and short of it. You just, you have to. I will say that it looks like the research is leaning towards the fact that as long as you're working around a tumor, um, not directly on, you should be safe. But this has to be a case-by-case basis, and I highly encourage you to look into that research if you're going to be treating cancer patients. I will be doing another episode on the effects of laser on tumors directly. But again, this is a little bit up in the air, so you have to look into this personally and decide what is acceptable for you, what is acceptable for you to recommend to your patients, and what do your patients need to know. If you are going to be working directly over a tumor site, let's say we're working on a breast cancer patient that's dealing with the radiodermatitis, you're going to have to work directly over that site that's getting radiation. Is that something you're comfortable with or not? At this point, you may not know, and that's okay. But if you're not sure, if you haven't looked at this already, you need to dig into the research and make a decision for yourself. You can listen in. One of the podcast episodes we're going to do in the near future will talk more about the status of the research. But like I said, the research is just not solidified yet on what's safe and what isn't. Let me leave you with this. Laser therapy is a fantastic tool for helping many of the side effects that occur because a patient is going through chemotherapy and radiation therapy for cancer. If you do laser, you should be getting with your local oncology group to show them what you can help their patients offer. If you're in oncology care and you're working with these patients on a daily basis, I highly encourage you to consider adding laser therapy into what you are doing because you can help your patients be more successful with their cancer care. If you're interested in adding laser therapy to the care you can provide in your office for cancer patients, please reach out, get a hold of me. We've done a lot of this in clinic for real with live patients, and we can help you decide what is going to be best for you, your patients, and your clinic. You can get us at info at lasertherapyinstitute.org. You can also go to the website, lasertherapyinstitute.org, to learn more, and we will talk to you next week. Subscribe now to keep learning about the growing field of laser therapy. Check out our patient-focused podcast, Healing at the Speed of Light, a great resource for your patients. For massive practice growth and improved patient outcomes, become a certified Laser Therapy Institute clinic. Learn how at lasertherapyinstitute.org.